This morning then we're looking at uh, Jesus and the uh, miraculous catch of uh, fish in, uh, in John 21. If you're here uh, last week, I believe that you were in John 20 and Peter was looking at that passage where uh, Jesus uh, appears to Thomas. And we're going to be uh, staying with uh, John's, at the end of John's for the next couple of weeks, exploring these uh, resurrection appearances as we're in the season of resurrection. And uh, I'm calling uh, this sermon, Fishing on the Right Side of the Boat. Fishing on the Right Side of the Boat. And uh, we've tried to show you this morning in, uh, in quite dramatic ways uh, what that was like. And uh, we want to try and catch the sense of drama in this passage as we look through it. Because it's, it's a dramatic passage, hasn't, wasn't it? Uh, we've sung about this amazing God. We've sung, we've sung about being standing amazed in the presence and we've standing in awe. And uh, the disciples stood with Jesus and they were amazed at what he did. And I'm just going to look at that passage this morning and try and tease one or two things out. So then, this is how it happened. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Interesting list, isn't it? Uh, two disciples don't get named. <laughs> Maybe John was uh, having a senior moment and couldn't quite recall which two they were. But it's an interesting list because uh, if you look at those that are named, <clears throat> Simon Peter, he'd uh, denied Jesus three times. Uh, Thomas, he was, he, he, as you learned last week, he, he wasn't going to believe that Jesus had risen again unless he saw it for himself. Uh, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, wasn't he the guy that said, you know, can anything good come out of uh, Nazareth? And then the, the sons of Zebedee, uh, were they the two that were arguing about, about who was the greatest and about having the, the right and left hand seats? You know, all these people that are named, uh, in one way or another, uh, had experienced some kind of failure in their lives. And yet here they are with two other nameless disciples. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So, the disciples had gone fishing. Now, I don't think that was... Uh, some people, when you, when you read around this passage, the, the people put it as if, for some reason, the, the disciples were going back as if everything was over and they were going back to a former way of life because, of course, uh, some of the disciples were fishermen. Um, I, don't, I don't think that was the case. If you think about the, uh, what had happened in the, the previous few days, they'd had a bit of a, a roller coaster of a, of a ride, hadn't they? They'd experienced the, the horror and, uh, of, of Jesus dying and, and all their hopes and, and, and dreams dying with Jesus on, on the cross and they'd dispersed and, and ran away and, 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 and were feeling guilty about that. And then they'd had that euphoria of, of Jesus, uh, rising and having, having met him. And, you know, when we, when we go through experiences like that, they, they, they're exhausting, whether they, the, the great highs or great lows, they exhaust us. And, and I think they, they, they probably just wanted to, uh, uh, relax and probably wanted something to eat because they had to, you know, they had to earn a living. And so they, Peter said, I'm going fishing. I don't think there's any more, uh, to it than that. I'm, I'm going fishing. The other disciples said, we'll come with you. And, uh, and that's what they did. And sometimes, you know, we need to find that relaxation, don't we, just to get away. Do you ever feel like sometimes you just want to get away from things? Uh, maybe things are getting on top of you. 
Uh, maybe you've experienced great lows or even great highs and, and it exhausts you and you just need to, you just need that space. Uh, and sometimes we need to find that space. And I think the disciples found that space in taking a boat out to fish. Obviously they wanted to catch some fish because they, uh, they wanted to eat. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. That night they caught nothing. Now, at least four of these guys were experienced fishermen, um, you know, who, who knew what they were doing. These weren't, this wasn't like me and you, you know, hiring a boat at Landudno or Blackpool or somewhere and, and, and just going out for a day's fishing and, and hoping that we catch something. They were experienced fishermen who knew what they were doing and they caught nothing. And uh, this is about empty nets. Empty nets. And, you know, some of us know something about empty nets, don't we? Maybe you've had that experience that you've worked really hard at something. You've put, you've put a lot of effort into it and you feel like you've got no reward for it. Maybe you've, you, you, you've put a load of effort into a relationship and, it, and it's gone wrong. Or you've, you've really worked at something. We know about this in church, don't we? We come up with great ideas and we, and we, we, we plow energy and resources into it and, very often there is no great catch, is there? There is no great catch. We, 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 we have nothing to show for our hard labor. So we know something about empty nets, don't we? We know what it's like. You know, um, we saw this morning, didn't we, with, with the kids, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes we think we're going to have a great catch and then, and then it, it just passes us by. And, and when we know what it's like. And somebody said one of the, the great things about or one of the gifts of leadership is, is, is be able, being able to tell it as it is. And you know, friends, we, we're in difficult times in, in the church, and I don't just mean here in Lom, um, but the church in this country is in decline. That's not obviously what we want to hear. Uh, we want to hear that the church is growing, and uh, you know, ever since I've been in, in Rosendale, well, not just in Rosendale, but I think ever since I've been in ministry, there's always been those people that are praying for revival. Uh, I'm sure you've been at prayer meetings. And, and the way they pray, it sounds like revival's just around the corner or just over the next hill. Well, if, you, if you've been walking, sometimes, you know, you, you think you've reached the top of the hill and you suddenly realize you've got further to go. And, friends, I, I don't think revival's just around the corner. And that's not a lack of faith. I'm just, I'm just looking at the situation in the church. And at our, our minister's conference, Roy Searle was, was talking about this. And he said, you know what the largest group in the church is at this present moment? The largest group in the church are those people that are leaving the church. Thousands and thousands of people have left the church of God in the last decade. Do you remember we had this thing called the decade of evangelism? Anybody remember that? Yeah? Didn't work. <laughs> I'm not now friends. I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't try. But I'm saying we have to recognize, because if we recognize that our nets are empty, then we'll perhaps look at things differently. Um, talking really about, uh, you know, the ones that got away, to use a fishing term, the ones that got away. And, and this, you know, in, in this church, we can think about people that used to be here and are no longer here. If they go into another church, that's fine. But if they just drifted away and are no longer in a relationship with God, then that's sad. And that's the story in lots of places. 
Now, of course, you and I, you know, somebody will come up to me and tell me, oh, I know about this church. Uh, There's thriving. It's full of people. And, uh, you know, I visited one or two churches in my, during my sabbatical uh, that seemed to be like that. And as I observed them, I, I noticed some interesting things that I'll, I'll speak about later. So there are churches that have the appearance of being thriving, but we've got to recognize that we're living in a time uh, of empty nets. It's not that we're not working really hard like the disciples, but sometimes we feel like we've been up all night and we don't have a lot to show for it. The ones that got away. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. The disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. They weren't expecting to see Jesus. I wonder whether we sometimes miss Jesus because we're not expecting to see him or we don't recognize him. It seems there's a continuity in the the resurrection appearances. Uh, Later on it says, you know, nobody dared to ask who he was. There must be something about Jesus' resurrection appearance that was slightly different than before because on several occasions people... Is it him? Is it him? Well, they, they fail to recognize him. So it, it's just a stranger on the shore. And he calls out, just like Ben did uh, this morning. Friends, haven't you any fish? Now imagine, put yourself in, in their shoes or, or their Wellingtons. Uh, you know, you've been fishing all night. And some smart alec on the shore. You know, it's, it's like when you walk into a room and you're absolutely drenched. And somebody says, is, is it still raining? Haven't you any fish? You and I might have been tempted to, 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 to reply somewhat differently. But it's important that they answer, no. No. They recognize that their nets are empty. And sometimes we actually need to speak about the fact that we've failed. Not very popular. Uh, we want to talk about triumphs, don't we? Nobody wants to talk about the football team when, when they've lost, do they? You know? It'll be a great catch if anyone can uh, catch Chelsea, won't it? But I don't think it'll happen. Sometimes we just need to be honest, don't we, about our failures. That we've tried something and it hasn't worked. And sometimes we actually need to name it and speak about it. Very often what we do with our failures is we brush them under the carpet and hope nobody will uh, we'll notice. Have you ever done that? You know, maybe you've slipped and you've, you've suddenly looked around to see if anybody's watching. Because we don't want to see, we don't want people to see us fail. And as a church, you know, I, I go to lots of meetings with ministers and the question that you always ask is, how's your church doing? And uh, the answer that you want to give, oh, it's thriving, there's hundreds of people coming in. And some ministers answer like that. We can We can be clever with numbers, can't we? You know, it was a good meeting. We had a, we had a good number of people. Well, what, what, what's a good number? Well, I mean, it was, it was six or seven. Well, that's great because, uh, you know, Jesus said where, where two or three are, are gathered, I'm there. Well, we, I was counting Jesus in the numbers. Oh, so, you know, it's, uh, we, 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 can, we can do all sorts of things with numbers, can't we? But sometimes we just have to be honest and say, you know, for whatever reason, there's no great catch. It's not that we haven't tried, we put on our alpha courses, we, we, we pray, we, we, we try and do things and invite people, um, but it's, it's a lot harder. I can remember back in, in the 90s where you didn't seem to do anything, to, and people were just attracted to church. It was, it was a different season. It was a different season. 
You know, you put on a coffee morning in the lunch club and people, you open the door and people just flocked in and before you knew it, they were getting baptized and joining the church and it seemed a lot easier. And this is, this is, this is how it is now in, in, in 2015. It's hard work. And there's a sense in which our, our nets are empty. And the disciples are probably tired, frustrated, but they're honest enough to say that there's, there's nothing in the net. It's empty. We've tried. We've done our best. Uh, and it didn't work. But then something amazing happens. Empty nets. Empty nets. They could have just gone home. But this stranger on the shore, he says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Again, these are hardened fishermen. And, uh, you know, nobody likes, nobody likes to know it all, do they? We've all met somebody who, whatever the problem is, they've always got an answer. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? You know, and if you've been trying something for a long time, it's very frustrating, isn't it? When somebody comes along and says, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Have you done it this way? Have you done it that way? Always somebody will come along and with that helpful voice. Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. You will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. One person said that the, the miracle of the, uh, the miraculous catch wasn't the number of the fish. It was the fact that the disciples did what Jesus told them to do. It was the fact that the disciples did exactly what Jesus said. Which is, of course, what disciples are supposed to do. And I'm calling this, you like this, catch of the day. Catch of the day. It's not 10.25 on a Saturday night. It's, uh, it's about 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Catch of the day. There's never been a catch like it. Well, actually, there had been a catch like it. Uh, right at the beginning of their ministry, there'd been a similar catch. We'll come back to that. Catch of the day. Fishing on the right side of the boat. I'm calling it course 153. Course 154 will be, will be next week, but this is course 153. Fishing on the right side of the boat. I don't know about these things, but I read somewhere, uh, there's this thing that goes on in your brain, your left, your left brain and your right brain. Do you know about that? And uh, if I've got this right, the left brain is the kind of, you know, methodical, ordered side. And, and the right side is the kind of vision and dreaming side. And uh, Jesus points the disciples to the right side of the boat and suggests that they try casting the nets on the other side. Seems ridiculous. Course 153. What's it about fishing on the right side of the boat? Well, when you're not having any success, you can, you can carry on trying the, the, the same things and, and I hope that, that you will get, you, you, you will, you will, you will eventually have success. Or, Fishing on the right side of the boat, course 153, I think it's about listening to Jesus and doing what he says. Listening to Jesus and doing what he says. To hear what Jesus has got to say, first of all, we've got to be listening and not speaking. Great that we're having these prayer meetings, but we've all been to prayer meetings where there's kind of lots of talking, but not a lot of listening. And sometimes... We don't spend enough time just listening. You know, what is God saying? Well, you've got to listen. 
You've got to open your ears. You've got to spend time. So discipleship is about listening to what God's, what God and Jesus are saying and then doing what Jesus says. The disciples simply do what Jesus says. They're probably too exhausted that they think, oh, well, we'll just do what he says. What do we know? We've been fishing all our lives. Our fathers have been fishing. Our grandfathers have been fishing. But what do we know? We'll, we'll try this. We'll throw them on the other side of the boat. And they get this miraculous catch. So it's about listening to Jesus and doing what Jesus says. Course 153 is also about letting go of the old. The disciples could have said, well, hang on a sec, mate. I don't, I don't know who you are, but, but, but I'm a professional fisherman. I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to continue fishing on the left side of the boat because that's what my father taught me. That's what my grandfather did. And that's what my great-grandfather did before him. We know what we're doing. Thank you. And sometimes it's like that in church, isn't it? This is how we're going to do it because we've always done it this way. And it works in the past, so why shouldn't it work in the present? And it'll probably work in the future. Well, hey friends, the things that we did in the past no longer work. The world has changed. Uh, Some of you, when you grew up, everybody went to Sunday school. Now nobody comes to Sunday school. Children don't know the difference between Easter and Christmas. Because they're not being taught. We're living in such a different world. And a world with all sorts of other attractions. Again, when some of you uh, were younger, there was nothing else to do on a Sunday but, but go to church. Everything was closed. Now there's a hundred and one million things that you can do on a Sunday other than come to church. We live in a world that's very different. And there's a sense in if, if we're going to recognize that the nets are empty, then we have to let go of things. And, and we, you and I know it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to let go. I went to Spring Harvest after Easter with the family, not been for a long time, but I went to one of the leaders' sessions and it was the same guy uh, that was leading it from when I went sort of 20 years ago. And he was talking about passing on the baton to the next generation, but you could sense in him he was struggling to let go to actually pass the baton on because he, he liked what he was doing. He liked standing at the front and, and doing whatever it was did. And I think sometimes we struggle, don't we? to actually pass that baton on, to let go so that others can do. And the thing is, if you let go and let others do, they might do it differently. And that's dangerous, isn't it? Because we like things to remain as they are. Because there is a, there's a comfortability in that, isn't there? There's a security in knowing, you know, this person's going to do that, this person's going to do that, this person's going to sit here, they're going to sit there, the music group's going to do this. There's a, there's a kind of security. We know what's going to happen. No one's going to, no one's going to throw the, 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 the schedule. Because then we get all, you know, you just imagine if, if we did things differently. Imagine if we moved the chairs around. I did that in one church where it was a lot easier um, because we just had the one room and, and I was always moving the chairs and sometimes I'd watch people come in and it was like, where do I sit? Because I can't sit in my normal place. And, and they really were thrown. They were thrown for that moment. There was a, almost a panic. Some people, you could almost see the panic because where, where am I going to sit? Because I'm, And they were trying to work out. They were trying to rearrange the room in their mind and try and work out so they could sit in exactly the same seat. And we, we're all the same. We all do it because we have that security. And we don't respond well to change. But Course 103, Fishing on the Right Side of the Boat, is about doing things differently. And not being afraid of failing. Not being afraid of, you know, trying things. You know, if I had a pound for every time somebody said to me, oh, we've tried that, Richard, and it didn't work. So we're not going to go there again. 
We opened a youth club. It was disastrous. They wrecked the place. We don't want to do that. Course 153 is about listening to Jesus, doing what he says. It's about letting go of things that no longer work. When I say letting go of the old, I'm not talking about old people. I'm talking about old ways, by the way, just in case some of you are worried. <laughs> letting, letting go of it. There should have been another word saying old ways, but I'd have to go on to another line. So I love old people. I'm, I'm going to be one very soon. So... Uh... There we go. Then it's, it's about learning to fish. Course one five is about learning to fish in a new place. It's about learning to fish in the new place. It's about that right side of the brain. It's about allowing people to dream and have visions about how we can reach people for Jesus. Because that's what we want to do. We want to reach people for Jesus. We want to see people coming to faith. But it's about fishing differently. It's about using a different type of bait. Uh, we had a presentation from the Billy Graham uh, Foundation. Anybody remember Billy Graham? Some of you may have uh, been to one of his rallies. Some of you may have even come to faith. Amazing! You just know that wouldn't, wouldn't work now, would it? You know, have you noticed nobody does that now because it wouldn't work? Interestingly, in the Billy Graham, they've, they've produced this film, which we may well use. It seems like a good idea to me. Um, and the idea is that you have you show this film. It's about Billy Graham and his and his life and ministry. But it's an evangelistic tool to use, and you invite people to watch a, a film. And it seems like a well-produced film. We might use it. It's fishing on the right side of the boat. It's recognizing that the old way of things. You know, you, no longer can you hire a football stadium and, uh, and 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 invite an evangelistic preacher, and you would you wouldn't fill it today. You wouldn't fill it. That's the reality. So it's about learning to fish in a new place. Then a disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. This is John, by the way. He's been very humble. He's talking about himself as the disciple that, that Jesus loved. Uh, he says it's the Lord. He recognizes Jesus in the miraculous catch. He sees the fish and something, the penny drops. I've seen this before. I've had this experience before. When Jesus called the first disciples on the shore of Galilee, same lake, same, maybe might have even been the same boat, who knows? Uh, there was a miraculous catch. John, have you noticed John, his gospel's different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Have you noticed that? John's a, a thinker, he's a theologian, and we see it in the, the, the resurrection. Do you remember when he got to the tomb? It was when he saw the grave clothes that he believed. Everybody else saw the glaive crows, but John saw something differently. John on the boat, he sees the fish. The rest of the disciples are just thinking, hey, hey, we've got a fish, we've got to look at a fish. And John's like, it's the Lord. He says to Peter, it's the Lord. Sometimes we need people like John to say, it's the Lord, it's Jesus. We need that. We need people to come and, and, and share you know, what God is doing. Is God, this is God in this. We need, because a lot of us miss it. We're like Peter, you know, big wellies, jumping in, not really thinking, not really recognizing things. That's what most of us are like. And we need those people who say, this is Jesus. It is the Lord. We need people like John. The stranger on the shore is Jesus. You knew that. The disciples didn't until that moment. 
The stranger on the shore is Jesus. And it could be that Jesus is the stranger on your shore. And you need somebody to come alongside you and say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And then, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, that's all he needed. That's all Simon needed. It's like a trigger, isn't it? He's a great, he's a great Peter, isn't he? Trigger words, and, and he's off. It's the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him. If you're wondering why, because he'd taken it off, John helpfully informs us. And he jumps into the water. Uh, man overboard, man overboard. Peter's off. Great, and it's great to have people like that, isn't it? You know, we need people like that in the church, don't we? We do actually need them. They can be a pain in the backside, but we need people who are incredibly enthusiastic. You've got an idea? I'm going with that. And they're ready before you've even talked about what they're doing. They're out there. When was the last time you went overboard for Jesus? When was the last time you went overboard for Jesus? Has everything become a little bit mundane? Has everything become a bit staid? When was the last time somebody said to you, it's Jesus, and you were jumping out of the boat? You couldn't wait. Man overboard. Then it's about breakfast on the beach. Breakfast on the beach. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. Interesting little detail, that, isn't it? Do you notice that Jesus already got some fish cooking? He's already prepared breakfast. A spring harvest. Um, I uh, I got invited to a minister's breakfast. Well, my friend, a minister friend to me said, I've signed you up for a minister's breakfast. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, bacon, eggs, beans, fried bread. I said, I said, tell me a bit about this breakfast. He said, it's a breakfast, a free breakfast. I said, I'm, I'm not sure about this Christian free breakfast. Is it going to be like a, a proper breakfast? Oh, come along. Cold croissants. Cold croissants. Coffee out of, it wasn't a teapot, but it was like a, a, a boiler. Typical Christian breakfast. <laughs> a disappointment, a disappointment, a disappointment. My other friend was on self, was on half board. He, he didn't, he didn't come to the breakfast because he was getting a free bacon and eggs and what have you. Jesus prepares breakfast. He's got the fish cooking. He's got the fish cooking. Um, N.C. Wright says, you know, how easy it is to get the impression that if we don't organize it, it won't happen. If we don't tell people the good news, they won't hear it. He has no hands but our hands, we are sometimes told. What a load of rubbish. I like that. This is N.T. Wright. It's not me saying that, by the way, before you get offended. But he's saying, what a load of rubbish. And actually, I agree with him. Whose hands made the sunrise this morning? Whose breath guided us to think and pray and hope and, and love? Who is the Lord of the world anyway? Jesus welcomes Peter's catch. He asks him to bring some of it. But he doesn't, in that sense, need it. I don't know about you, but I'm that always kind of is a big relief to me that it's not just down to me. Sometimes churches can, can make you feel like that. You know, it's down to you. It's up to you to, to do this. But actually it's not. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. It's his church. And there's that passage that we all know so well who, and where Jesus says, I will build my church. 
We're not, our job isn't to, to build a church. Our, our job as disciples is just to, to listen to what Jesus says and to do it. We're followers. We're meant to follow Jesus. And, and Jesus, Jesus will do it. Jesus, we don't need to take Jesus out into the community. He's already there. It's his world. We just need people like John who recognize it's the Lord. It's Jesus. I've met Jesus in some of the most unlikely people. Some of, the, some of these people would never darken the doors of a, of, of, of a church. But I've seen Jesus in them. And part of our, part of our role is, is when we go out into this world, when we go out into our neighborhoods to work, is to be looking for Jesus. Because he's already there. He's already working in people's lives. And sometimes our job is just to, 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 to get alongside people and say, you know, this thing that, that they're experiencing, it, it could be Jesus. It could be Jesus. Because he's already out there. He graciously works with us, just as Jesus says, you know, bring some of your fish, but I've got my own fish. I, I actually do. He doesn't, he doesn't need, he, he gives us gifts. He gives us abilities. You know, he's very patient with us. He puts up with us. He, do, he welcomes, though, what we do. He wants us to bring our fish. He welcomes it. Breakfast on the beach. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Could tell you quite a lot about 153. Just tell you a little bit. You know that, you know that threes are, are obviously a resurrection number, isn't it? Jesus rode on the third day, prayed three times in the garden, crucified on the third hour of the day, three hours of darkness from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. Uh, three were crucified, two people alongside. Jesus lived 33 years, that's two threes. A couple of other numbers that are quite significant as well is the number 17 and the number 153. Associated with the resurrection. Number 17, uh, first came to my attention through the study of the number 153 and then later through the, the, uh, through the, the study, the, the timing of the, the, the bride theft. These numbers, 317 and 153, are mathematically related to each other. I've seen in the equation, stay with it, move with this, seen with the equation, 3 times 3 times 17, which equals 153. I was very quick here. You work that out. I'm just guessing. You worked it out. Thank you. Yeah. Three times three times 17 is 153. Um, if you were to put all the numbers between uh, one and 153 and, and arrange them like that, you get the perfect triangle. Three sides. What does all that mean? Well, we've just been clever with numbers. I just think that 153 meant that these were fishermen and when they got a large catch, you know, it was, it was this big. They wanted to be able to tell people how big the catch was because it was amazing. And, uh, I, you know, I think Jesus still wants to amaze us. I think Jesus still wants to amaze us. The question is, are we gonna, are we gonna take on board course 153? Are we going to be able to do things differently? Are we going to be able to engage change? Are we going to be adventurous in coming up with new ways of trying to reach people with the same good news about Jesus Christ? That doesn't change. 
But the ways that we share it need to change. Maybe even the ways that we do church, you know, needs to change. I wonder whether we are ready to fish on the right side of the boat.